0: We're going to begin our message in the book of Exodus, chapter 32, starting in verse 1. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. And Moses was up on the mountain, receiving word from God to take down to the people, and he'd been up there a while and the people were getting restless, wondering where he was. Okay, so that's, that's what's happening here. Aaron, who was a priest, assisted Moses. He was down there with the people while Moses was on the mountain, okay? Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said... Okay, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. The Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They're saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them, and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. idols it, it seems really silly when we look at this passage that people would worship a golden calf i mean i've every time i've ever been exposed to this passage of scripture i imagine i mean this is a baby cow made out of gold a statue of a baby cow and it just seems silly to me that people would see that as something to worship, but they did, right? Um, And though it may seem silly, it infuriated God when they did it. He was furious about it, so much so that he said, I'm going to destroy these people for doing this. And Moses interceded on the people's behalf and said, and, and, and talked to the Lord about giving the people another chance and showing mercy. And the Lord changed his mind, and he did just that. But we've been talking over the last several weeks about poisons. Um, What's Your Poison has been the name of this sermon series, and we're wrapping it up today. And some of the poisons we've been looking at have been pretty obviously toxic things in our lives. But today we're going to look at some things that are a little more subtle. Things that um, can start to take priority in our life that, in and of themselves, are not bad things, in and of themselves, are not sinful things, but still have the potential to compete for the time that we spend with the Lord. And anytime something competes with the time that we spend with the Lord, we're susceptible to slowly drifting away as we've been talking about. Um, Edie and I had a conversation a few weeks ago when we first started this series, and she shared with me that when she thinks about a poison or something that she struggled with, it's not really something that we would immediately think of as oh my gosh that's horrible you know that's something you need to eradicate from your life right away (laughs) because you couldn't even if you wanted to but um, something that she struggled with and something that she has had the Lord assist her and Edie's going to come up and, and share with us just briefly about that.
1: <laughs> I, I don't need a mic, am loud. Okay, take as much. I'm loud anyway. You would think that at sixty eight I would have it all together. Um, but there's hope. God God's always working on us and we're all a work in progress and that's what we have to keep in mind. So to start, I always have to start with God's word to put everything in perspective. You shall have no other gods before me, Exodus 23. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment, Matthew 22, 37 and 38. So what is our Lord commanding here? Nothing less than undivided, perfect, and complete love and worship. So I have to ask myself some questions. Do I love him with everything that I am, or are there other loves in my heart that clamor for my attention? Do I worship additional gods, or is he always, and in every case, the supreme ruler who receives my undivided passion and devotion? When I think this way, I begin to see that perhaps idolatry is more than a Buddhist temple and incense. Idolatry has to do with love, my love for God, my love for others, and my love for the world. When you think about idols, like Diane said, a lot of times you think about money, um, lust, greed, um, those those kind of things that are more obvious. But sometimes an idol in your life can be something that's good. It can be a gift from God, because God gives us everything and everyone in our lives. But sometimes we take our focus off of God the giver and we become focused on the gift and that's when it becomes idolatry and for me, it's always been my children um, I know sometimes you think, well God wants you to love your children and you know and that all that's true God gave us God gave me my children but any time, like Diane said, when something becomes, when you spend more of your time focusing on that versus on God being first in your life, then you need to get on your knees and refocus on God.
0: Now, um,
1: in these books, these are like books that like, are in my daily reading and all, and so I, I was thinking about what should I say, so they say it much better than I can say it. Note to all panicking parents, Jesus heeds the concerns in a parent's heart. God knows our heart. He knows that we love our children, that we want their safety, we want them to be well. When things go wrong, we kind of panic and get anxious. God knows all of that. After all, our kids were his kids first. And this is um, the message version of Psalms 127.3. Don't you see that children are God's best gift, the fruit of the womb, his generous legacy? Before they were ours, they were his. Even as ours, they are still his. We tend to forget this fact regarding our children as our children, as though we think we have the final say in their health and welfare. We don't. God is in control. Thank goodness. He is in control. Um, This passage from, um, I don't know if anybody's ever read Sarah Young, Jesus Calling Us a Daily Devotion, it has meant the world to me. And this this daily devotion really is the one that made me start really becoming aware that my children were becoming idols in my life. And, And the first step is you recognizing what's what you're focusing on more than God, because you have to recognize it, and you have to confess it, and then God will work with you on that. So in this book, this is like Jesus talking to you. It's a, it's a day-to-day type thing, so this is what Jesus is saying. Entrust your loved ones to me. Release them into my protective care. They are much safer with me than in your clinging hands. When I read that, I said, wow. Wow. That's me. I mean, I could have invented the term helicopter parent. Um, If you let a loved one become an idol in your heart, you endanger that one as well as yourself. Remember the extreme measures I used with Abraham and Isaac. And this scripture, I used to always, I would skip over it because every time I read it, I would start getting afraid that God was going to take my children. This is Genesis 22, 9 through 12. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. He reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your only son. Um, When you release loved ones to me, you are free to cling to my hand. As you entrust them into my care, I am free to shower blessings on them. My presence will go with them wherever they go, and I will give them rest. God help me to understand that as long as I was trying to control the lives of my children and, and not leave that to God, that I was actually keeping God from being able to bless them. And as a parent, you truly want your blessings to be all that God can do. Um, okay, and this is another scripture, I mean another um, entry. Though I have brought many pleasures into your life, not one of them is essential. Receive my blessings with open hands. Receive your children with open hands. Enjoy my good gifts. Enjoy my children that I'm giving to you to help me take care of. But do not cling to them. Turn your attention to the giver of all good things and rest in the knowledge that you are complete in me. The one thing you absolutely need is the one thing you can never lose, my presence with you. We have to get to the point, I had to get to the point in my life that I could say, and it's, it's, your heart, it's a heartfelt thing. We say it all the time. Oh, I love Jesus. Jesus is the first thing in my life, you know, that I have no other gods before me. It's got to be true to your heart that Jesus really is first in your life, that you've got to be willing To let go of anything or anyone that god has given you because you know god's way is perfect there's there are a lot of things we don't understand and and i've lived you know 68 years there are a lot of things that have happened in my life that at the time i say i don't understand that but then in the end god had a plan and he had a perfect plan and i can say that about my children because When children are little children, you know, it's 24-7. You have to do everything for them. You have to control their lives. But when they become of age, when they become adults, the helicopter parent stuff shouldn't apply anymore. (laughs) My children are in their 30s. They're married. They have children. You know, it's about time (laughs) for me to trust God with their lives. And and that's what I have struggled with. I've wanted to be in control of all of it. This scripture, which is Psalm 62, 5 through 8, I read every day. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times. Pour out your hearts t- to him. When when God is my hope, my only hope, I, my hope can't be in my children. My hope has got to be in God. It can't be in me to protect my children. Only God can do that. And I will say that, Um, am I all the way there? No. Do I have my moments? Yes. But God has really work with me on this, and, and I thank him for that. And I can say, once I got to the point that I said, I surrender, just like the song, lay me down. Um, I, I had to say to God, okay, I've been talking long enough. I've been controlling long enough. I've got to give it to you, Jesus. And it has just been wonderful. <laughs> it's, been, it's been that godly peace that you can get. You can relax. You know, I've gone through two therapists about anxiety, all of it about my children. People used to say to me, oh, you're so laid back at work, and all of a sudden, nothing. I don't care about anything. I don't get upset or anxious about anything other than my children. And it just kept on and on and on until it got to the point that they were saying to me, mama, you need to go see a counselor. <laughs> so um, it's been good for them and it's been good for me. Um, one last thing is, um, it says, prayerfully release your loved ones to me. Restrain your urges to solve your problem. Use your time and energy to listen to them and pray for them. Trust in my love and my wisdom. I can work changes in your loved one's lives beyond anything you might ask or imagine. And this scripture, Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So basically, you know, God had to let me see that if I turned it over to him, he can do more for my kids and bless them more in their lives than anything I could have ever done. I was holding their blessings back. And I thank God for opening my eyes. And, um, you know, if anything, I just hope that if any of y'all are struggling with that, it won't take you until your (laughs) children are in their 30s (laughs) and married and have their own children. And see, it was sneaking in even with my grandchildren, but now it's like they call me, there's an illness or a sickness, and before I like freak out, I get on my knees and i pray and i tell them say a prayer and god will take care of you. thank
0: you thank you, Edie. can anybody relate to that a little bit i relate to it i i can <clears throat> think of a couple of different examples where my children have gotten in trouble you know or or you know made a choice that I probably wouldn't have made or didn't. Not that I wouldn't have made. That was I probably would have made it. But a choice that I wish they hadn't have made. You know, because I knew the pain that was going to come as a result of that choice. And you know, sometimes like Edie, I would just lament over watching the pain that child was going through. And just it can cripple you. It It can slap cripple you. If you, when, when they get themselves in a place where they're, they're hurting and they end up in a dark place or they end up in a sad place or they end up in a dangerous place, you can, you can drain the life out of yourself worrying about them. And it does absolutely nothing when you, just, when you fret like that. It does, a lot of times, absolutely nothing when you talk till you're blue in the face about why they made this decision and, and now they're suffering the consequences and this is what you should do. You can talk to them all day long, but they've got to learn their own lessons. They've got to walk their own walk, you know? And, and, and whose children are they ultimately, you know? I can't, I can't take complete responsibility for every decision and every choice that my children make. You know, neither can y'all. We do the best we can to train them up in the way they should go. And Scripture says in the end, they will not depart from it. And I take peace in that, and I take confidence in that. And, I, you know, I find the ability to let let some of that stuff go, like Edie said, to just pray about it and just know that that God is going to take care of it. Now does that mean you just do hands off and say, well, you know, y'all figure it out. <laughs> Let me know later. No, of course not, but but it can become consuming. It can become all consuming. You know, and 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 not just children. That's that's a fabulous example of something that we can make into an idol if we're not careful. Because when we when we say an idol, we think of something that we worship. And there are some people, you know, that do worship their children to some degree, you know, that put their children on pedestals, but worry, you know, an idol's anything that gets in the way of your relationship with God or stands in the way of your relationship with God being everything that it could be, you know? And so whether it's lifting your children up high and that's the sole point of your life, or bringing yourself down here because you're so worried about them and the mistakes you think they're making that it consumes you. Either way, you're missing out on something there. So, you know, children are a prime example. um, We saw the the video earlier with sports, you know, not that, you know, fans that go and get painted up or, you know, making football an idol. But sports can become an idol in, in our lives. If we've devoted so much time and effort into training and getting ready for a sport and that consumes us to the extent that it's pulling us away from time with God, you know, we have to be careful not to say, well, we if, if, I'm, if I'm training to be, um, you know, I wanna play college sports or whatever and I'm gonna put in, how many hours a week do you have to train to play college sports, Kelsey? How many hours do you think? I don't know. Let's say you let's say you train 2 hours a day every day is 10, 10 hours during the week. I'm not saying that okay, I'm putting that before God if I'm not spending time in my Bible more than 10 hours. You know, that's that's not it, but when when what you're focusing on pulls you away to where you're not having that time anymore and you're not looking there anymore. That's when that Poison that we've been talking about can start to creep in. Hobbies, you know, I don't know, golf. <laughs> a lot of guys like to play golf, um, which is fine. But you know, a lot of guys play golf on Sunday, Sunday morning. You know, I don't know. But if 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 your if your hobbies are taking you away from what you what otherwise would be time that you're spending studying or praying or being with the Lord or fellowshipping with other believers, that could, could um, present a problem. Social media. So I found myself the other morning downstairs in my chair. It was 5.30. I was having my prayer time. And I'm sitting there, and I'm getting ready to pray. And in the back of my mind, I think, what's the weather going to be like today? Because I cut the logs on because it was so cold. And then the next thing you know, I, I hadn't even started praying yet, and I had gotten my phone and pulled up my weather app. Well, then I'm on my phone, and my ADD brain is going, hey, look, Facebook, you know? And so, and then I'm on Facebook, and then I'm like, oh, I got some notifications, somebody liked that picture I put up last night, and then I'm looking through that, and then I see somebody's post, and I go to their page, they need prayer, so I've got to type in some prayers for them, and then, oh, look, it's so-and-so's birthday, i got to do my happy birthday post. And the next thing you know, 30 minutes of my time that I normally spend praying and reading has just been spent on my phone. You know, there, there was nothing wrong with what I was, I wasn't doing anything bad on my phone, I wasn't doing anything I shouldn't have been doing on my phone, there's nothing wrong with being on Facebook or on my phone, but it was taking time away. So we just have to guard ourselves and be careful with those kinds of things, because we, um we easily drift away. We easily drift away. And that's what I get from that passage in Exodus that we read earlier. You know, Moses was leading these people. God was speaking directly to these people. You know, God had been providing manna for them. He was leading them around with the pillar of smoke and all this. And Moses goes to get, this, get these words from God, and he's gone. I don't know how long he was gone. Let's say he was gone two days Anybody know how long he was gone? Let's say he was gone two full days. The people immediately start getting restless and saying, we don't know if he's even coming back. We need something else. We need somebody else to lead us. We need something else to lead us. We're so easily distracted. I'm gonna look in Nehemiah for a minute. Nehemiah chapter nine. And this is um, after the repair to the walls. The wall has has been completed. And Nehemiah noticed that there was um, a drifting away of the people. The people had started to drift away from the Lord. And starting in verse 6, the people were being led to remember what God had done for them. It says, you alone are God. You made the skies and the heavens and the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserve them all, and the angels of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him from Ur of the Chaldeans and renamed him Abraham. When he had proved himself faithful, you made a covenant with him to give him and his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzites, Jizzites, and Zizzites. <laughs> you like that? And you have done what you promised, for you are always true to your word. You saw the misery of our ancestors in Egypt, and you heard their cries from beside the Red Sea. You displayed miraculous signs and wonders against Pharaoh, his officials, and all his people, for you knew how arrogantly they were treating our ancestors. You have a glorious reputation that has never been forgotten. You divided the sea for your people so they could walk through on dry land, and then you hurled their enemies into the depths of the sea. They sank like stones beneath the mighty waters. You led our ancestors by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night so that they could find their way. You came down at Mount Sinai and spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and instructions that were just and decrees and commands that were good. You instructed them concerning your holy Sabbath, and you commanded them through Moses, your servant, to obey all your commands, decrees, and instructions. You gave them bread from heaven when they were hungry and water from the rock when they were thirsty. You commanded them to go and take possession of the land that you had sworn to give them. But our ancestors were proud and stubborn, and they paid no attention to your commands. They refused to obey and did not remember the miracles you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. But you were a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry, and rich in unfailing love. You did not abandon them, even when they made an idol shaped like a calf and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. They committed terrible blasphemies. If the people that God had led through the wilderness by a pillar of smoke, providing manna daily, parting a sea for them to cross on dry land could so quickly forget and create an idol how much quicker will we do that? how easy is it to forget the things that God has done in our lives and and drift away. We started this series called What's Your Poison four weeks ago. Today's the last day of it. We began on Davy and Selah's last Sunday with us. And we started it with the question What is the church supposed to be? And are we being it? We talked about the early church, how they had to meet daily in the temple, daily, every day, to study the scripture and to pray. And we talked about the reason for that. They understood their need for 100% dependency on God. To meet the mission that the Lord had given them to be his witnesses, they needed to be together daily. They needed to pray daily. They needed to be in the word daily. They had to stay rooted. We talked about that that visual of a man who sprayed weed killer in his yard on his side of the fence. And the weed killer poison went under the fence and affected his neighbor's plant that had been growing so vibrantly. That poison crept over there and started to kill that plant. And we related that to things that go on around us, things that we might not even intentionally be involved in. But if we don't have our roots in place, if we're not daily looking to the Lord for the source of our strength, that poison, those poisons that are all around us can creep in. On week one, we touched on the poison of lust. We talked about social media and how something can start out very innocent. You know, we might be looking at pictures of friends. And a friend might post something that, yeah, okay, I guess it's innocent. But there's something about it that might not be. And it might cause us to to hover there. I shared with you all a story about a friend of mine that had posted an image. And I had looked at it and gone to her page and looked at some of her other images and thought, hmm. And then the next day when I got on Instagram, Instagram was suggesting all these other images that I might like to look at. Not innocent images at all. And lust, you know, has two sides to it. You know, you can, you can lust to be the object of someone's lust, you can long to be the object of someone's lust, or you can lust for something, right? And so... You can be the person posting these photographs. You can be the person looking and getting stuck and ending up looking at more and more and more and the next thing you know, you're looking at porn. And we talked about if we're, if we're believers, if we claim to be believers and we're trying to follow Christ, these types of things can create dark corners in our hearts. We're supposed to be radiating the light of Christ. If we're spending time in these areas, it's dimming our light, right? We talked about Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. gotta protect yourself from those kinds of things. Lance is always talking about Luke 9.23, that's his life verse. If anyone wants to be my follower, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. It requires daily attention. If I go a couple of days without that daily focus and those images pop up, am I going to be more likely to look at them than if I have spent time praying that day? 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says we need to take every thought captive. Every thought. Anytime something pops into my head that's going to take me down a path that's going to lead me farther away from God rather than closer to God, I need to stop and say, hold up, God, is it okay if I do this? Is it okay if I do that? I'm about to look at this. Should I look at this? And probably if you have to ask, the answer is no. You know, But constant awareness Week two, we touched on greed. We learned, we we read the story of the rich young ruler who had followed all of the Lord's commands since he was a young boy. And he met Jesus and he said, what do I need to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said there was one thing that he had missed and he needed to give up all of his, his wealth and then come and follow. And the ruler turned around sad because he had so much. And I shared with you my personal testimony and the way that I struggled with greed and how my desire for money and more things and bigger house and bigger car and everything else caused me to start to cross ethical lines in the work I was doing and in the relationships I was developing. And not everybody struggles with that, but a lot of people do. we looked at scripture where God said, I chose you. Stop being stubborn. Change your heart back to the heart. Guard your heart. Psalm 51, verses 10 through 13. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your way to rebels, and they will return to you. If we want to be a church that radiates light, we have to address the light within ourselves. If we want to be a church that shines the light of Jesus, we need to identify these dark corners and shine some light into them. Is your light fully shining? We asked ourselves that last week. We talked about isolation. Darcy shared with us some things she's been struggling with, you know, for, for a while now. And we talked about how easy it is for, for seemingly small things to happen in our lives that get us just a little bit off course. We talked about sheep, how when they're in a flock and they're with their shepherd, no sheep says to himself, hey, I'm going to go jump off that cliff. They don't, they don't do that. Rather, they see a little patch of grass, and they scooch over there, and they they nibble on it. And then they see a little dandelion, and they scooch over there and nibble on that. And then the next thing you know, they're at the edge of a cliff. And when you become isolated like that, you're more susceptible to attack. If you're a sheep, you're susceptible to attack by a wolf. What are we susceptible to attack by? Isolation can leave us alone in a dark place again where that light is not fully shining through us. We looked at Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, and how the psalmist was just crying out saying, I want to obey. Help me obey. Help me. In the middle of the psalm, the the psalmist said, the teaching of your word gives light so even the simple can understand. I'm longing for your commands, come show me mercy. Guide my steps by your word so I won't be overcome by evil. It's this continual theme of longing for obedience. And then today we talked about how even seemingly innocent idols can create dark corners. And too much time and energy Uneven good things can lead us to putting God lower on our list of priorities. And the trickery of that is without daily dependence on God, that poison starts to creep in. And the dark corners start to get bigger. And before you know it, your whole room can be dark. Your whole heart can be dark. So back to our original question. What is real life? Who are we? What are we supposed to be? Are we being it? Are we being a place that's flooding the light of Jesus around us? Are we individually shining the light? Or do we have some dark corners that we need to illuminate some light into? Do we have a little bit of poison that's crept in there that we need to identify and eradicate? Because it can be eradicated. But you've got to name it. You've got to identify it. You've got to recognize it for what it is. That's all you've got to do. And the Lord promises to shine His light there. And the problem so many times is we don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit that we have that thing. Or well, we know that thing is there. We know that poison's there, but we really don't want to let go of it because we enjoy it, maybe. And so we get ready to close. I want to look at 1 John because the whole chapter is about, about light and about love. Starting in chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus, and now declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that His word has no place in our hearts. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person's a liar and not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And skipping over to verse 15 of chapter 2, "Do not love this world nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world." And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. We're never gonna be perfect. We're never going to cease struggling with sin or see struggling with these dark corners until the day we're with the Lord. But what we can do is recognize that joy and light come through obedience. It's something we can seek out. It's something that we can strive for on a daily basis. How freeing is it to identify something that's keeping you from being luminous, to identify it and have it removed? I mean, we don't want to sometimes. we are like, oh, but I I really kind of like this thing, and God forgives me for it, and I'm just going to, you know, God will forgive me. I'm covered by His grace. But if you just give it to him and let him shine the light on it, the freedom and the joy that comes as a result of that is so much more than whatever pleasure you think you're getting out of it. Does that make sense? We all have a poison, if you will. Um, And as we get ready to close in a minute, I have an exercise that I'd like for us to do. We're gonna pass around um, these poison vials, if you will. And as the, as the box comes around, I'd like for each of you to take a poison vial and a piece of paper and a pencil. And Rachel, if you'll start passing this around. Um, my prayer is that each one of you would identify at least one. At least one thing that's been creeping into your life and has been affecting your growth in Jesus. At least one thing that's been casting a shadow on your light. And maybe you have more than one. Maybe you have two. And maybe you have ten. I don't know but just identify at least one today. And I want you to write it down on your piece of paper and fold it up and seal it up in your poison vial. And as the worship team sings a closing song here in a minute, I would invite you to come up to this altar that we've created today with our benches again. And, and pray for God to eradicate this poison from your life. And pray for the Lord to illuminate any dark places in your heart. Any place that's keeping you from shining fully for him. And then once you've done that, take your poison vial and put it straight in the trash can. Ridding yourself from it symbolically. I'm not going to look at them, nobody's going to look at them because they're going straight in the trash can and the trash is going straight to the dumpster when we're done. This is just an opportunity for you to identify that one thing and begin the journey of getting rid of it once and for all. If the worship team will come up, we'll get ready to close. And let's just pray pray together as we prepare for this. Father God, we just, we come before you recognizing that um, we all have areas that we need to work on still. We all have things that are toxic that have crept into our lives and that are keeping us from being everything that you've called us to be. Things that are keeping us from shining a light. And Lord, as a body... As real life church, we want to fulfill the mission that you've given to us. We want to shine a light and tell others about you. But we recognize, Lord, that as long as we have this darkness in us, our light is dimmed. And so, Father, I just pray for each one of us, Lord, that you would reveal to us what that thing is that we need to let go of. And Lord, that you would take it today.